Uh, hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, April 12th, 2022. And once again, we're coming to you from Zoomland because last time I was sick and this time Eric went and got himself sick. Yeah, but not as, like, Josh had the real sickness, you know? We're not comparing or anything, of course, but he had the actual COVID big one, and now I'm just like, and my wife's been sick with, like, a cold, and we're like, we're testing, we're doing the rapid tests and whatever, you know? And, like, we're, so we don't have the COVID, so it's like, yay, but then you're still sick, and it's like, so now what, you know? So it's like, it feels like we're just the knockoff version of sick. It's that weird silver lining nowadays where it's like, oh, good, I don't have COVID, but I still feel sick, so I'm sick. And I guess they don't want me to go into work or whatever. Basically, and like, and I actually like going into work, so I felt guilty yesterday I, I didn't go in, and then today was, you know, like, I could have gone, but it's better to be cautious, and it just didn't seem like, because I, I can work from home, which is what I'm doing today, so it's still, it's a 50-50, like, I'm still working, but I felt bad yesterday, and I didn't even turn on my computer, but I just was not feeling great, so uh, that's, that's where so we get another week of, you know, Zoom-tastic podcast. Unless you bump into a freedom trucker or somebody, you'll be fine. They won't mock you for taking the time off work. Nah, nobody needs to know. I've got my tea here, and then there's, I can't see because it's not a TV show, but if you could, you know, I've got the double bag going on, so uh, you know it's serious when I'm, and not just one tea bag. <laughs> when Gwen's sick, she's like real sick, and my former roommate, Fred, who she's friends with as well, same thing, and I would tease them that they get sick like a cartoon character with an old-timey <laughs> hot water bottle and a, a nightcap and that kind of thing. Oh, so when I get sick, you know it's serious because I haven't been sick a day in my life since I was, I don't know, the last time I was like real sick, I was six or seven with, not to get graphic, but at home puking and all that kind of stuff. But so <laughs> this last round of COVIDness that I got hit with, I mean, it was really nothing comparatively, but it was still just something to be like, oh, oh, I got it. It's real. And I don't know. Everyone I know has it now. So I think that's where we're at, where we're like, OK, hey, good news. We're getting it, but it's not going to kill us all. Yeah. And I'm still hoping to not catch it. I don't ever know anymore. Like, it's just it is what it is. But especially going into the Easter weekend where I'm hoping to see my parents and also my in-laws and also hoping to not get anyone sick. So that would be nice. Remember to bring up the story to your family that at my first family dinner post-COVID, everyone got it. I'm That's sure true. That'll make them all feel better. Yeah, no, nobody's going to be happy with that. But, well, we actually, we thought we were going to be doing, uh, well, we weren't doing, we were going to be going to Passover dinner, we thought this past weekend, which, yeah, she wasn't doing so well. And so it's actually supposed to be next weekend. And of course, it's the same day as the first Raptors playoff game. So obviously, that's what everybody thinks of. The main concern was not being sick. So, you know, having a week in between has actually been kind of nice. And I've been back in the working in the Mayfair trenches a bit. I always kind of joke I'm like a fourth backup goalie. If nobody else can do the shift, I'll do the shift or I do the church shift Sunday morning that no one else wants to get up for. But <laughs> what's been nice is just after my week in solitude is seeing that people are still nice. I think we luck out with our neighborhood and our patron base, but mm -hmm. we had a rental in where they watched. It's so funny. It was like, a, I think it was like a bachelor party, but they watched a scary movie and then played Mario Kart on the big screen. Ooh. Which is like the go-to nerd bachelor party <laughs> thing to do. That or Goldeneye, but we can't really pull that one off as easily. 
See, we could, but it would be so much more clunky. It would just <laughs> like those graphics on the big screen. I don't think would look quite as as smooth animation. But no. it's but plugging in a switch to our projector and having people easily play video games. You might as well have thought that I brought out jetpacks and unicorns for everybody there. They were thrilled, it's, and it's a nice feeling to be like, oh, we're making some nerd dreams come true. Man, it's a, did they have? Let's see. If it was me, I would have brought in pizza as well. No, I don't know if they had pizza, but. they did it they just they bought a lot of candy bar stuff and were Mm. very good tippers and for a situation like that when it's i think it was 12 people maybe 15 so from a business point of view we can save the business a couple dollars and i just go in press play on the blu-ray and serve up a couple bags of popcorn we just don't need a full staff for something like that no so that's what i did that day and worked well but then i think it was a full day endeavor i think they were after that it was a matinee rental and then they were off to dinner but what was nice is everybody was in a mask when they were up and around no arguments nobody saying why and i'm waiting for somebody to say why to me because recently mr t tweeted in a mr t tone of saying that he pities the fool who doesn't wear a mask and this isn't over and everyone be safe and so now that's going to be my go-to of like well mr t told me to and he wouldn't lie it's true. And well, and now they're, some of us never stopped talking, but now they're talking about bringing back mask mandates, possibly not necessarily in Ottawa, but just in general in the world. I mean, I know Philadelphia has just gone back, which is ironic because that's who's the, the Raptors are playing Philadelphia and they've got a guy on their team who's not vaccinated. Oh, no. And well, it's not even that. It's weirder than that. So it turns out he got one of the shots. So he's not totally anti-vax, but then because he didn't get 100% coverage from one shot, he refused to take another one. So, yeah, and, I'm, and everyone's sort of like, why would you have thought that? No one ever implied that. And then his explanation was like, oh, I grew up in a you know a home that believed in homeopathic stuff and whatever, stuff like, like just sort of goes off. The, and you're just like, I, okay, but so then why did you get that one shot? Like, it just added further questions. But I found that sort of funny that that was the first place that brought back mask mandates. And I'm just like, well, maybe you can talk to that guy and see if he'll <laughs> yeah. get that other shot. I think anytime there's something like this, whether it's, political and it's sad that the pandemic is political but anything like this it just points out that there's weird people everywhere in this case it's a basketball player but if you worked at a library or at a grocery store there's probably somebody in there who has a strange point of view on all of this oh yeah but nonetheless it is nice that most of us are out there having each other's backs and trying to get through all this but like i realized i did not it completely passed me by not that i usually follow the olympics but i realized that the last round of the olympics went by and didn't even notice a blip on my radar i couldn't tell you if canada won or lost or if there was any big twists or turns or any big heroic thing but the one story i did hear was that our women hockey players wore masks on their way to win a gold medal and so you see that and you're like okay athletes you don't have an excuse to not do that because these ladies just won a gold medal yeah seriously i mean you know we're good with the mask but we're probably not going to be winning that gold medal anytime soon i guess (laughs) there's still time i think i'd rather focus on the mask portion rather than the winning something difficult to (laughs) do (laughs) that seems like a lot of work yeah you know we're pretty good at podcasting maybe so we'll focus on that and the other thing i was on hand for was we had a rental in for this big 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 festival called real rock and Mm -hmm. i think they've been with us every year so the organizers were lovely folks and much akin to kind of our oscar party it was 
well attended but not sold out so the problem is it's really hard to do the math on this kind of thing because it's like a joke when you're running a cinema or a restaurant or whatever where it's too nice outside people don't come oh it's too gloomy outside people don't come Mm -hmm. there's some event happening on tv so people don't come it's a holiday people don't come (laughs) you can never tell what might be the skew but with the oscars which is traditionally sold out we had about 175 people for real rock which i think in the past has sold out or been packed Mm -hmm. they had i think they said they had 160 tickets sold and might have sold a few at the door but not many but so you just speculate is that because people don't want to be in a crowd still is that because some people might have they said for this case some people watched it they had a streaming option so did that cut into the in-person option and i was talking with them about that how that's the world we're in now where we're screening movies like Summer of Soul and West Side Story while they're available on a streaming option and people mm. are still coming. So yeah, it's just it's very interesting to see these special events go on and maybe do a little bit less successful, but maybe the powers that be don't care because they've garnered extra money by somebody buying the at-home package. The money's kind of coming in from different places, so maybe it's okay to have a event that is half full instead of full. Yeah, and it might also be, too, that some people are just waiting for, you know, people don't want to go to their way as much, so that there's, like, I mean, prime example, actually, so tomorrow they're doing, an, like, I guess an advanced screening of the new Cage movie, but in Canada only, and, like, one time only, as in one, well, you know, it's at 7 o'clock, I think, something like that, and so, like, I debated it, but I'm like, do I want to go out, I don't want to say outside the city, but, you know, like, do I want to go out to Canada to do this thing just to be like, oh, I saw that eight days early? just so you know or do i want to wait and watch it at the mayfair or, you know or like like so i think there's stuff like that especially when it comes to genre stuff or the smaller particular stuff you know like even like i don't want to talk over upcoming stuff we have but like x that we got you know like you could have gone to see that at south keys or canada or whatever potentially do people really want to put in that extra effort to go out of their way to go to a place maybe they're unfamiliar with less comfortable with or do you just want to be like oh, i'm just gonna wait it out and watch it where i'm comfortable to be <laughs> And you going to Canada is like practically going to Montreal. It's, <laughs> it's really far. Especially when your wife doesn't want to go to whatever <laughs> it is. Because I'm just like, plus it's like late for her. Yeah. Because you got to think that it's going to be a two hour movie and you got to get out there. You got to get back. I mean, you're not going to get to bed till 1030 at the earliest. On a school night. Yeah, on a school night, right? So, I mean, for me, I could do it. I actually have a friend of mine who lives in Canada. I tipped him off about it today, but I was just sort of like, I'm not going to do this, but I feel like I'd be letting you down if I didn't at least point it out. So I have no idea what is that going to sell out. I have no clue. I'm the wrong person to ask for something like that. I'm like, it'll be a super sellout, of course, because of Mr. Cage. It's so hard to say. I remember there's been a couple of examples in the recent years I think it was a Cage movie. One might have been a Godzilla movie or something like that, where it played at the multiplex for one of these limited runs for a couple nights or just as a regular run playing Mm -hmm. three times a day or whatever. And one, God, was it Color Out of Space? It was one of those, maybe Mandy. I think. It played at the multiplex for a week and then we did better in a day than they did. Yeah. Because we sold... 300 tickets in a night where they sold a couple hundred tickets over seven days yeah it was mandy at uh, south keys it was playing only at 9 15 or something every night or whatever it was god so i wouldn't be surprised if they got maybe 70 people for that over seven days and then Mm -hmm. we did better in one night so it shows you that 
going to the multiplex isn't necessarily the best thing for a movie where it could play better at the art houses versus there where there's the distraction of people going to see the big mainstream Hollywood stuff, which works in our favor very well. So yeah, I'm interested about how there's a couple of movies like that that are coming out now that are going to the multiplex. And if you look at our schedule right now, on the main page of our website, you can kind of piece together that you're like, wow, we're packed for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And even two weeks from now, which I think is the week of the 29th, I think we have our movies set. We don't have the dates figured out yet because we might have some rentals and things. So that means that might work out well because if our next free week is the first week of May, that means a couple of these movies, like the new Nick Cage movie and the new Michelle Yeoh movie, will have had a couple weeks in the multiplex. So that might work really well that we'll get that stuff in the first week of May or so. Yeah, and that's the other thing. The other one I think of, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, is like such a Mayfair movie. Like, it's not even funny. I can't even think of seeing that at a Cineplex, you know? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, so, I, I, you know, and I know that's been, that's I think came out on the 8th or whatever it was, you know, so it hasn't been that long. But yeah, like, I mean, I feel like it's, that's the kind of thing. Like, if, I, if I'm willing to wait eight days to see Cage at Cineplex, which I'm still not doing, but, you know, if I'm willing to do that, I can wait another couple of weeks, you know? It's like if back in the day, you had the choice to only see one and you could either go see Prince perform at the hockey stadium in Minnesota with 20,000 people, or you could go see him at a small club in Minnesota that there was 500 people at. That's the one you want to go to. And it's kind of like that with certain movies where you can go to multiplex, but to see it at the Mayfair with the look of the cinema and our stained glass windows and the filigree around the screen and the excellent popcorn and the, people there who actually care about movies that's that's where you want to go see the movie it's true and i mean we've been hyping it up for well i guess almost <laughs> months probably months now at this point forever there's already that but yeah i mean it's it's this is like such a busy time of year as it is you know with uh, the easter weekend coming up and whatnot so i mean even on a perfect week it'd be a little difficult to juggle everything as it is yeah okay so having said that we've already kind of hinted at it a bit <laughs> But let's talk about movies screening the week of Friday, April 15th, 2022, here at the Mayfair. So because we were just chatting about it, we have a Michelle Yeoh film called The Heroic Trio. So we have The Heroic Trio this week and its sequel next week. Oh, man. So it's great warm up to get her brand new film. That's pretty funny. Like, I didn't realize we can be like, yes, we've got the Michelle Yeoh film playing this week. And you're like, oh, good. They're playing that new one. It's like, well, no, no, no. Just we didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it works well, too. If people do ask, we could say, oh, no, we don't have that yet. But to hold you over, we have a <laughs> Michelle Yeoh movie from the 90s this week and next week. So you can come see those and then come see her new film soon after. So That's amazing. And it's not Tomorrow Never Dies either. So we're bringing you the good stuff. Yeah. Was that her first that must have been her first American thing, eh? Back in yeah, because I mean, she was in Supercop, but I mean, that was—I guess that was—that wasn't shot as an American movie, though, was it? That was just like recut, I think. I think that was part of that era of the horrible Miramax recutting movies and releasing them at fifteen minutes shorter and <laughs> dubbing them and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was not an American film per se, but I think might have got a release around that time because a lot of Jackie Chan movies were getting re-released around that time but they'd be like 10-15 minutes shorter yeah because they wanted to whittle it down to get in as many showtimes as they could I guess yeah it's so annoying and I remember Lee telling me that first strike they cut out some shark footage and I'm like now you're cutting out shark footage (laughs) how dare they I was okay before but now yeah so this is 
Heroic Trio is kind of a cool comic book sci-fi post-apocalyptic movie with three women kicking ass in it. Michelle Yeoh in the 90s. She's awesome now, but in those 90s prime, I'm sure it's filled with some awesome action scenes. And I haven't seen these two movies, so I'm very much looking forward to getting to catch them on the big screen with a crowd. It'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. No, they definitely seem like that kind of thing, you know. And I didn't even know there was a sequel. So, I mean, I'm, I'm more hyped than I was five minutes ago. So then we have a Canadian film called Scarborough. See, I was wondering. I I was like, it's not just a clever title. No, it's actually about Scarborough. Okay. And it's a acclaimed new film. It won a slew of Canadian film awards, like eight or nine of them. And it's just a nice character piece about kids growing up in Scarborough. And it's by happenstance, we are playing it this week. And April 20th is National Canadian Film Day. Oh. Which we never participate in fully... Just because National Canadian Film Day is a great thing to celebrate, but it's being celebrated by certain cinemas that play one Canadian movie once a year and then go, hey, look at us, we did it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Mayfair just is always playing Canadian films. Like, just off the top of my head, in recent memory, we had The Novice and Bloodthirsty, and currently we have a documentary called Last of the Right Whales, and there's some more Canadian stuff on the agenda coming up. So we have a Canadian movie on National Canadian Film Day, so... If you need an excuse to come see a Canadian film, this is a great reason to do it. But we always show Canadian films, so all year is our National Canadian Film Day. Yeah, I remember this from last year when we were discussing this. Actually, every year I forget about this. And I think pretty much accidentally we had some Canadian film playing at the time. So you could choose to do this, but we're not deliberately doing it. Yeah, and you see other places making a big deal, which is great for the day, but then you're like, how many Canadian films are you playing the rest of the year? Uh, oh, it's zero. Yeah. Zero, okay. <laughs> this is just like Record Store Day for us, but for a very specific Canadian contingent, I guess. Yeah, and you don't want to be like grumpy old man about it, but it's just like, yeah, great, go celebrate Canadian film. If you live in a town that doesn't have the Mayfair, go to your multiplex and see a Canadian film while you can. It'll hopefully point out places like the Mayfair that you could just do this all the time you can do this once a month or so so yeah so do it do it well that sounds like a threat <laughs> yeah <laughs> just do whatever you're gonna do it's fine it's fine we're always willing to do what it takes for canadian film yeah <laughs> then our ukrainian film fest continues this is our second week oh yeah we had the ukrainian ambassador come by last week and introduce the film so we were a pretty big shot yeah that's awesome The film we have this week is kind of interesting on a number of levels. It's called The Tribe. We actually screened this a little while ago, seven or eight years ago. And it's funny because whenever you say science fiction, for me, I picture laser swords and monsters and spaceships and stuff. (laughs) Of course. It's science fiction in that it is a post-pandemic tale. So that's interesting because we're in one of those right now. Yeah, we'd like to know how this ends. And it's set in the Ukraine, which is big in the news right now and it's essentially a silent film it's all with sign language wow and coda just won best picture at the oscars we kind of got this three tier of interesting cinematic crossover to screen this movie right now that's wild not only is it a sign language film there are no subtitles which i think is really cool because you hear filmmakers talk about that where if you turned down the audio track or just played the John Williams music over Star Wars, you still get it. You're like, oh, that's the good guy, that's the bad guy. So with Tribe, it's a bit of a darker tale. It's teenagers or young adults, people in their 20s, in gangs in this 
post-apocalyptic world where the virus has made everybody deaf. So every single person is deaf. Huh. And that's the story. But it's kind of neat that CODA just happened, so kind of deaf cinema's in the news. Sadly, the Ukrainian people are in the news because of the tragedies going on there. And it has a pandemic theme to it. So talk about being a prevalent story. It's pretty front and center. Yeah, seriously. Hopefully it's not too bleak. But I mean, that all sounds potentially bleaky. (laughs) Yeah. But you'll have to come and find out, I guess. Some of the best cinema is bleak. We all know that. It's true. Yeah, and especially if we're talking like post-pandemic stuff, I'm not going to be like, you know, sunshine and puppy dogs out there. But I remember, this is, God, this is two years ago, but you would think that when people are in the midst of something terrible that they would want a distraction, and instead of watching terrible things, they would want to watch happy musicals or animated movies or slapstick comedy. But in the heat of the pandemic, in the week or two after mid-March 2020, I don't think I'm making this up. It was some crazy statistic where the number one TV show on Netflix was like a pandemic TV show. And the number one sale on Amazon for DVDs or Blu-rays was Steven Sonnenberg's Contagion movie. Mm -hmm. So people were just eating up this pandemic fiction during the pandemic time. So I thought that was really weird. That was what people, some people wanted to spend their spare time on while they were stuck at home yeah and there was that i think that show called station 11 i think it was yeah 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 it's apparently quite popular and the funny thing about that was i guess it was the creators were saying that they'd been shopping that around and execs had been like people don't want to watch a pandemic show or they don't want to be reminded of pandemic and then they went and did this and then i think there was like various shows that had that idea and the execs in general were just like people don't want that and then this one's been very highly regarded and well-reviewed and stuff like that but for me I have no interest at all. And I totally would have agreed with the execs, which I normally would probably never do. And so I just find it like, that's great for people that want to watch that stuff. That's wonderful. But for me, I'm like, I don't ever want to see that. I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Like, I'm sure it's good, but I'm just like, I'd rather be a little escapist with my watching right now. Yeah, I was even at the spot early on in pandemic land where I didn't want to watch anything dark. I didn't want to watch Ozark or Better Call Saul just because... Even if it had a light tinge to it, I was like, no, let's go full on happy entertainment because the world is terrible. Yeah, more cartoon comedy maybe for the moment. But then my big humble brag over the pandemic is my post-apocalyptic comic book, Damn Curse Children, came out. Well, that's true. And my co-writer and I, he more than I, I'm a little bit more laid back about everything in life, but he was like, this is terrible. We're releasing (laughs) this horror comic when people are not wanting to be reminded about the horrors of the world and it sold out at comic stores and it sold out on amazon for a time it was a very pleasant surprise because i really did think that too i was like no one's gonna want to read this while they're (laughs) sitting at home depressed but hey people did so uh i don't know it's almost like people who get confused about why we watch horror films i have a friend who's like i never watch horror films i don't get why people watch horror films and i understand that but there is something about that too where you're safe and watching something horrible and at the end you go didn't happen to me yeah exactly well and i mean at least you guys started putting it out before the pandemic issue by issue so you had sort of a foothold there and it was maybe the tpb was like a little after the fact but you're still like hey we were earlier it's fine well and we had so many people asking us about oh when you wrote this how did the pandemic influence it and we're like no we wrote this ages ago we didn't know this was coming (laughs) yeah you probably had the idea you know over a decade ago i would think but when people pull this out of cheap bins in 10 years they're going to be like oh this must be a covid influence story and we're like nope just coincidence 
It would be like, oh, I remember seeing this on the ad at the Mayfair Theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this, it's that same one. Uh, okay, two more films. One is the latest incarnation of Cyrano. Oh, right. This one with Peter Dinklage in the lead. The last time I saw Cyrano, besides for the actual kind of French film with what's his name in it? Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu, who has not <laughs> star, aged well. Yeah, star of Green Card himself. <laughs> Roxanne with Steve Martin. But it's one of those examples of anytime people complain about remakes, I'm like, well, I don't know, that new Cyrano movie is getting wide acclaim and the latest Hamlet got big time praise. So, you know, every 10, 20 years, people like to retell the story. So this one with Peter Dinklage, who's amazing, is in the lead. It's based off of the stage, an actual stage version of this specific version of the mm-hmm. classic tale. And it's a musical. Yeah. Full-blown musical. That's what I was going to say. So, I mean, it's totally different from any of the other ones that have come before it, to my knowledge. Yeah, I don't think there's been a musical version of it on the big screen anyhow. And I think it's a, I could be wrong, but I believe it's a new musical like it's not songs from decades ago from a broadway play it's a new interpretation with new songs of the cyrano tale and i saw peter dinklage on colbert i think and he was saying that they didn't do the makeup stuff of he doesn't have a comically long <laughs> nose or anything <laughs> yeah it's funny like i'm pretty sure it was the gerard deputy version we watched in school english class probably and I remember, I mean, you're a kid, so it's boring as hell. Like, no offense to Cyril <laughs> de Bergerac, but, you know, <laughs> it, it was just one of those things where you're just like, oh, my God, this is so... Because you're like, oh, we're watching a movie. And then you're like, oh, my God. And I just remember at the end there, he gets, like, creamed by like, a big board or, like, a giant two-by-four or something, whatever it is. And it just, we just started howling because, I mean, <laughs> you know, nothing really happens. Again, all due respect, we're kids. But nothing really happens in the movie. And then you get to the end and the guy just gets smoked by a board and we all laughed. And he, in retrospect, I feel kind of bad. But also I was like, you know, a physical comedy, like it's not our fault. Like they shouldn't have filmed it so funny. Yeah, I remember. That's interesting. The making kids watch a movie because it's educational to uh, fill time. Yeah. That I'm sure many teachers have a, a list. But I remember watching a rather racy Romeo and Juliet when I was <laughs> in grade nine or 10 and actually thinking, I don't think we should be watching this. <laughs> but, yeah, it's Shakespeare. You're allowed. Yeah. And then finally this week, we have the new film X from Ty West. His kind of, I didn't realize it'd been so long, but it's been near a decade since his last feature film. His last feature was in 2013. Jeez. He's been keeping busy on the small screen, making a living, paying the mortgage payments by directing horror TV shows and stuff like that. But this is a very highly acclaimed horror film. It's got something like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I know is a hit and miss thing to skew a movie off of. But it's a lot of four star reviews on there. And it's again the and I, and I actually read it unironically in a review as I was looking for reviews to post on our website. Uh Oh, here we go. Elevated horror got mentioned like three <laughs> times. And I'm like, no, it's just horror. That's all. This one I'm very excited about for lots of reasons. Number one, Ty West is great. Obviously, you know, like House of the Devil and the Innkeepers and whatnot. Pretty sure that's him. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll look like a jackass. That is. That's him. That's him. Okay, perfect. But this one's wild because it's one of my favorite ideas that doesn't always work, which is the we're shooting this like it was a found 70s movie that was never released sort of thing. Or at least that's the gist that I've taken from it. And so it's essentially an homage to Texas Chainsaw in some ways. 
but apparently subverts it and is also very different. It's the kind of movie where if you saw the trailer and it was just by Joe Nobody, it would come and go and nobody would ever talk about it again. But because it's a very acclaimed indie filmmaker, there's obviously a lot more to it. And it's, like you said, it's gotten crazy good reviews. And one of the more wild things that I've found about it is that on the premiere of it, I don't even think it was the theatrical premiere, it was just like a film festival premiere, they had like a stinger at the end that was like, oh yeah, by the way, we already shot a prequel movie and it's done. Whoa. And so there's a movie called Pearl that's a prequel to X, which already exists and is going to drop later this year, I think. And apparently it looks amazing too. So like, the tra- I don't know if the trailer is going to be at the end of X or not at all or how they're going to do that, but I'm just like, okay, so you made a 70s Texas Chainsaw type movie, but you actually made it your own thing, which everybody who tries to make these kind of movies tries to do and usually fails. But also you made this prequel without anybody knowing and it's already done. It's just like the whole thing just blows my mind. And I've read a couple of reviews that point out that it has really great characters. Horror at its worst is just you waiting to see how Jason kills the next teenager in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. But whether it be... You know, even something a little bit more mainstream like Scream, what I always liked is that I really like those characters. And so when they die, you're upset. Or even a great example is Alien or Aliens, where it's like you're not just waiting for the next kill. You really have become invested in these characters and want them to get out of there. And I've heard that about X, where they do a really great job establishing these characters as something a bit more different than the traditional slasher movie. And that, yeah, it looks like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, and Kid Cudi's in it, you know, which is random. So any fans of Kid Cudi's music, maybe you'll be a fan of his acting, too. He was in the last Bill and Ted movie. Was he? Oh, man. Yeah. I hate to admit that I haven't seen it yet, but now you know. Oh, you should. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, not a deliberate thing. It's just sort of I keep forgetting. and I, <laughs> Yeah. I, I haven't stopped watching things, but... Oh, yeah, I meant to ask you, did you watch anything particularly great during your COVID lockdown? I don't think I did. I I was so busy. Mayfair's been nice and busy, so I've just been doing Mayfair homework. And I I just watch a lot of TV at home because, like all of us, I just seem to be always... I'm like, stop making more TV. I I don't need any more. Just stop. Like, stop making new TV for, like, five, seven years, and then we'll all be good. So, you know, like a good nerd, I watched the first few episodes of Moon Knight and thought it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a new Paul Feig-produced show called Minx. Oh, yeah. About a, a Playgirl-esque magazine being made in the 70s, and it's really great. It's really, really good. Hmm. Funny and really interesting. And But movie-wise, I did get to sneak in and watch Studio 666 at the Mayfair before it went away. Oh, man. Yeah, and you enjoyed it, I'm sure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and, I mean, sounded great on the big screen and just such a weird little movie. A true blood and guts monster horror movie where our hero Dave Grohl goes crazy. It was so interesting and the John Carpenter theme song by him and his gang was great. I was like, oh my God, I I want a whole album of this music. Yeah, well, it's funny, like my friends, a couple went and I guess she's a really huge Foo Fighters fan. And he is not, but went along anyways. And so they were like, oh, we're going to the Mayfair to watch that movie and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I always, it honestly gives me a thrill whenever somebody's like, we're going to the Mayfair. I'm like, ah, yeah, I support the Mayfair. <laughs> so they went and I was, I was talking to them last night. And I was like, oh, geez, I meant to ask, what did you think of the movie? And so it turned out he really liked it a lot more than she did because I don't think she, I think maybe she thought it was going to be more jokey or less of a real movie maybe. And he didn't think it would actually be like, you know, all in kind of horror movie type thing. So he had no 
no expectations and loved it. She had different expectations, I guess. And I don't want to say felt misled, but I think she was a little kind of like, oh, okay, this is this, you know? So I can only imagine there must have been quite a few of their fan base that was thinking it would just be something a bit different. And they were like, oh, wow, they went all in. Yeah, and of course, so bizarre that one of their band members passed away recently. Mm -hmm. And then this movie comes out, which is a horror film. So that's a little weird. But no, it's a very fun movie. I I like those foos. They're always doing cool things, like whether it be Tenacious D related or the Muppets. They're always doing interesting things. And they're our rock and roll band. Big stadium filling, fun rock and roll band. So it's neat that they got to make this weird horror movie. Yeah, it's true. No, I'm definitely uh, stoked to check it out myself. Okay, so maybe we'll wrap things up for the day from this Zoomtastic podcast and hopefully next week be back in person if we make it another week without getting sick again. I booked off next Tuesday, so I'll I'll actually have a day off to come out there and I'll make sure I'm not sick. Oh, we can do it. Yeah, we got this. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can look for Mayfair updates at mayfairtheater.ca and on all the social medias. And we'll see you back here next week for another podcast. And we'll see you soon at the Mayfair to watch some cool movies on the big screen. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, now we can start getting hyped for the Northmen. We love crazy Viking type stuff. The kids love Vikings. Hey, we did it. Hooray. An evil emperor of the underworld is using his power it's unnatural to create an army of darkness the world will belong to me he can be beaten let's get serious now three extraordinary superheroes must unite in the most fantastic triple threat of all time you want it come and get it Acclaimed action star Michelle Yeoh of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Fun! The heroic trio. Fun, isn't it? 